This is the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, located at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie and in the Frontier Mall on Dell Range in Cheyenne. The 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored by Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirt Works. I am Cody Tucker, joined as always by Jared Newland. For those of you who aren't in Laramie right now, you're missing out. It is 80 degrees. It's perfect. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's a perfect day for football on the high plains of Laramie, Wyoming. And the white stuff that you see on the ground while you're driving, <laughs> it's an illusion. It's really sand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little chilly out here outside of Dickie's Barbecue Pit here at 2410 Grand Avenue, but nothing warms you up like brisket and ribs. Burnt ends. Burnt ends and beer for those of you that can drink it. Spicy barbecue sauce. <laughs> Maybe your coffee doctored up a little bit. Uh, big one tonight, Jared. Boise State and Wyoming. The winner of this game will take over the top spot in the Mountain Division with just one week remaining in the regular season. Can you believe those words even came out of my mouth? Well, you've said it from the get-go. Wyoming needs to play meaning, meaningful football in November. Say that three times. <laughs> uh, and Craig Bull has said it, too. It's about time we're playing a meaningful football game in um, November. So you know, kudos to the Pokes. Yeah, you know what's cool is after he wrapped up his press conference the other day, usually he just shuts his notebook and walks away from the podium. He was like, guys, isn't this fun? Like, it's fun for you too, right? I mean, you get to write about some good stuff. Usually we've been written off by now, and usually it's all over, and we're on to basketball. And what do you say? Usually we're sacking the bats by now, but uh, he even pulled a little Lee Corso and said, not so fast, my friends. <laughs> and uh, he's having a lot of fun, and it's really good to see. And I know we've talked about that at nauseum on this show, but, man, that guy is different, and it's coming out in his players and speaking of coming out uh, of his players, uh, Wyoming, of course, coming off a 14-13 win over Colorado State last Saturday night inside Canvas Stadium. Jaden Clemens comes in for an injured Andrew Peasley, completes 7 of 11 balls for 90 yards. He throws a 32-yard touchdown strike to Alex Brown, also runs in a 14-yard touchdown. After the game, the redshirt sophomore, who has had quite a journey to this point, uh, couldn't control his emotions, Jared, and it was – it's been such a breath of fresh air to see this year. We've seen Craig Bull break down. We've seen Andrew Peasley break down. Now we've seen Jaden Clemens break down, and it just means so much to these dudes. Last year there was so much stoic, you know, just coach speak. This year, man, they're speaking from the heart. They're showing it with the tears welling up in their eyes. It's really been a beautiful thing. Well, and even Easton Gibbs joining in and talking about their relationship where they went to elementary school together, yep. and he goes, a lot of people don't know that. Right. And I knew that, damn it. And I told Easton <laughs> don't say a word because I was going to do a story. Well, and they have a relationship. And, and obviously, Jaden's been a great backup yep. during this whole season um, as, and a team leader during that time, too. And people don't understand that just because you're on the field doesn't mean you can't be a team leader behind the scenes. Right. And everybody has said that he's been there all, every step of the way, not complaining about not getting in games, all that kind of stuff and been there for everybody. And he has relationships with some of these receivers, and especially Alex Brown, and you saw that connection for the game winner. Yeah, and Alex Brown, I mean, he's been on campus for four years. He came into this game with five catches. This dude looks every bit the part. And when the Cowboys lose Isaiah Nair, one of my first thoughts was, they need Alex Brown to step up. This cat is six foot four, 200 pounds, can fly. What in the world is going on here? 
And, man, what a beautiful connection that was. Just a perfect pass. Alex Brown leaps up, grabs that sucker, coasts into the end zone. Just uh, really nice to see that connection. And you're seeing that emotion because these are two guys that have done this over and over again on the scout team, wondering, when is it going to be my time? Why is this not translating to the field? And Jaden Clemens, I I know a lot of hardcore Wyoming fans out there who have sat through these last two spring games. They've said, who is this cat? And, and what a story he has. I mean, he was a really, really good quarterback at Sky Ridge High School in Lehigh, Utah. And he didn't get any looks. And I, would, I can only assume, he doesn't know why, but I can only assume because he's 6'1", 200 pounds, uh, no looks from any of the in-state schools in Utah. He walks on at the University of Utah. Kyle Whittingham immediately moves him to safety. And this is a kid who took a gamble on himself. He said, I'm not a safety. I'm a quarterback. So he went searching, uh, a la Josh Allen, went searching a little bit, found Laramie. Wyoming said, hey, you know, Brent Vegan, Coach Bull said, hey, we need another guy on the scout team. We need a, basically, we need another dummy. We need another body. And when I first met Jaden Clemens, it was last year because these guys, to me, are the unsung heroes, especially at, during Air Force Week, the quarterback that runs scout team during Air Force Week. That was Jaden Clemens. The Cowboys losing in Colorado Springs last year didn't have a damn thing to do with their defense. Uh, they played outstanding, and Jaden Clemens is the guy who got him ready. Mm-hmm. This year, Coach Bull never said who his second stringer was, third stringer was, nothing. He didn't even tell Jaden Clemens. He gave him a scholarship, and then next thing you know, he found out like the rest of us did on uh, on the sheet, basically, that he was the backup at Illinois. He said even when he was in Champaign, he was like, I think I'm the backup. I'm taking my reps with the twos here. <laughs> uh, but what a great story, and he's just such a humble kid, and he played so well, and what was so impressive about it, Jared, is who would have thought that was the 114th border war, and you're coming in in the second quarter, and the Cowboys are down, and you know CSU just returned a punt. They're sacking Peasley. They're physical. They're out-physicaling the Cowboys all over the field. Um, he just stepped in and didn't flinch. The mantra of Craig Ball has always, has always been and will, will always will be next man up. Yeah. And you see that. You've seen that all season long with the defensive line. Yep the offensive line, and now a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And usually you can say that's a cute little slogan on the back of a T-shirt, but that dude just stepped in like no big deal, and he looked calm and in control. And and it is weird to hear leadership when you talk about a guy who's taken, what, five snaps, I think, in his career and is all of two for two. Um, But he is, man. His teammates really love him. And it's a big question heading into this weekend's game against Boise State, right? Who's going to be under center? Andrew Peasley's in concussion protocol. That's not your typical injury where you can put a date or a timeline on it. Um, we don't know how he's feeling. Uh, he took a beating. He wasn't in there long against CSU. And something I want to do that I never do, I give a lot of credit to that Rams football team. They played their asses off. They played tough. They punched Wyoming right in the mouth. But then CSU, CSU'd. Torrey Horton, their best player, probably the best player in the Mountain West, honestly. He is so explosive. He's you know, the most dangerous player. Very dangerous. Uh, he muffs a punt that's right in his chest. Cowboys take advantage. Alex Brown's in the end zone two plays later. I said it on last week's show. They make mistakes at yep. the worst times. And I will be honest with you, I'm sitting by two former players, and I'm telling and none of us were worried the entire game. I, mean, I was going to ask we you. We were if, pretty calm. Yeah. <laughs> and – I even I even said after the game I said I was never even concerned because I knew that these mistakes were going to happen. Yeah, and they happened at the perfect times because they don't, weren't happening earlier. No, don't get me wrong; they happened <laughs> at the perfect times. But it was just one of those things that if he scores before the half, this game's different. Yeah, J- Jacory Hawkins, 
uh, running him down. But at that time, I, I, I mean, you see Hawkins in that interview. He goes, yeah, I, I knew I could get him. And I was like, well, yeah, you are fast, but yeah, you still have to make the tackle. What if he does one stop and then goes? I wanted to ask you about that play specifically because I didn't think that the Cowboy players and coaches were putting enough emphasis onto how scary that was. It, I had the perfect angle from the press box, and it was terrifying to watch him go. And I went, oh, my God, he's getting the edge. And mm-hmm. I looked and saw number seven and thought, thank God that yeah. Ja'Cory Hawkins is the fastest Cowboy and he's on him. Prevent defenses usually lose games. Um, in that instance, all that they had to keep him out of the end zone. <sighs> everything you had to keep everything in front of you out of the end zone. Time was expired. That's fine. Now towards the end of the game, it looked like they were going to be able to move into field goal range again by playing a little bit of that. But thank goodness the Cowboy defense bowed up and, <laughs> and made some stops there. But the end of the game got a little scary just yeah. because, like, if he gets into field goal range again, I don't think he's going to miss two. Right. Right. And that thing kind of had overtime written all over it. It was, uh, oh man, that play before the half was terrifying. I mean, (laughs) that play started at midfield and ended at the three-yard line with no time left on the clock. He catches that ball and hits the deck. They still have a timeout left. They're going to kick a field goal there, and they're going to go up by two possessions. Going back to the mistakes, I mean, I actually do feel sorry for Horton because he played one hell of a game. Oh, he's good. And he's the one that fumbled it. If it was somebody else, it would have been like, well, that's on you for having that guy out there. Right. uh, But he... He still drops passes, though. Yeah. He'll make those unbelievable snags, the 50-50 balls, and then some of the comebackers that are right in his hands, drops them. Yeah, he did. He, he did that at San Jose State. He would have had over 200 yards receiving <laughs> if he would have caught some of those balls. Man. Um, but How did then, Nevada not win a Mountain West championship, by the way? With I, guys like him and, and all the other Elijah Cooks and Romeo Dubs and Turner at tight end and Carson Strong. How in Carson the Strong world? was the next coming, and he was going to be the number one draft pick. <laughs> and he's doing what now? Did he even get drafted in the XFL? I have no idea. <laughs> There's another. No. We don't want to get into the XFL because we're going to be rooting for any cowboy that gets yeah. into that league, that's yeah. for sure. No, uh, crazy game, you know, but when the dust settles, Jared, the defense gave up six points. Uh, Torrey Horton, by the way, 72-yard punt return to open the scoring in the first quarter. Oh, my God. <laughs> you look so We're dynamic. We're walking in. We see that play, and <laughs> I'm like, all right, Titus Swin goes for five or six on first down. Why in the world don't you run it again down their throat? What, did you see second down by chance? That's what I'm saying. Erica Boje got absolutely but Why wrecked. don't you run it again? I know. Instead, now you're behind the chains. Listen to you bitching that Craig Ball isn't running the ball enough. <laughs> it's not him. It's Polisek. <laughs> no, but I, uh, I on the second down play irritated me because now you're behind the chains. Then, of course, you know what you're going to do on third down. You're going to try to get as many yards to so you don't have to punt. But what do you do? Three and out, you punt it. Yep. Right and to him, to a line drive right to that guy. It's been, what, four games in a row now? Yep. They haven't scored in the first quarter? Yep. Yep, can't do that yep. tonight. No. Cannot do that tonight. Or you sure can't give up any points, that's for sure. Uh, CSU did CSU again in this game, Jared. They were driving. They picked up a lot of yards in this game. Uh, Clay Millen threw a slant, slant pass into the end zone to, um, I'm not sure who, but it went right to Darren Harrell. <laughs> it was to Darren Harrell. <laughs> and Darren Harrell, the Wisconsin transfer and Denver product, snags that one. Huge stop once again. And I want to give him kudos for downing the ball, yes. not trying to run it out of the end zone. Yep. Because he probably maybe would have made it to the 
10 at the most. Yeah. Instead, the Cowboys get the ball to 20. So yep. that that's important. Yeah. Don't really try to be stuff. the hero. Really good stuff. So they force a turnover. Special teams, of course, gets the huge turnover. Miles Williams, one of the three seniors on this team. Darren Harrell, one of the three seniors on this team. He actually has another year left, however. Uh, but Miles Williams recovers the punt. Got to feel good for you know two of the three uh, seniors on this team. I mean, God, they're young. It's it's so hard to it's so hard to believe how young this team is. Uh, they pick up five sacks. CSU is known to uh, allow an Olay or two. Uh, Forty eight now on the year. The Rams have given up. Clay Millen just gets the tar beat out of him. And if I'm not mistaken, four of those were in the first half. Yes. So I, at that point, I was like, they might get double digits here, but obviously they. They both both teams make adjustments, have to figure out, you know, scheme stuff that's going on. And I thought overall Savell called a hell of a game. I agree. And I think CSU went to the run a little more in the second half to uh to alleviate that. I mean, the bottom line is they cannot hold up in pass pro, period. Uh but that's where I just wrote a story about it, Jared, something I was really impressed with, and we're gonna get into this a little bit. The Cowboys just this was a body bag game. It really was. So many dudes went out with injuries in this one. And the Cowboys needed a huge stop in the fourth quarter. They got it courtesy of guys like Caleb Robinson and guys like Gavin Meyer. The two guys who are backing up Cole Goodbow and Jordan Bertinelli, arguably the two best players, period, on this team. Yeah, and I didn't even, like Robinson, I was like, Trying to figure out who in the heck that guy was. I was looking on my <laughs> app, trying to get the you know the roster pulled up, and because you just don't see him out there, and you have to really be up in your position in a press box, being able to see sometimes, yeah, who the defense. And plus, some of those numbers do look alike, and you know things like that. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's just that's him out there. And then they announce the names, like, who's that? Yeah, yeah. So, one but, guy after another, man. Just it, one dude after another. Just next guy up has been great all season long for this Cowboys defense. And Oscar Giles, the defensive tackles coach who's in his first year in Laramie, he he was a coach on that team, that Texas team in 2005, the Vince Young team that went and won a national championship. He said he sees a lot of these qualities in these guys, and he told me a really cool anecdote from that CSU game. You know, the Rams are at the eight-yard line, first down, and Caleb Robinson and Gavin Meyer, two backups, look at him and go, Coach, we got it, man. We're, we're good. And that was during a timeout, correct? During a, t- during yeah. a TV timeout. That is, we're good. That's incredible. Yeah. To have those two doing that, yeah. who are backing up Bertinoli yep. and Goodbo, I mean. Confidence in your own game and confidence in the scheme. That's what they said. <clears throat> they all mentioned the same word when I said, where in the world does this confidence come from? Culture. And this, I think we're finally starting to see, even more so than 2016, I think we're starting to see Craig Bull's North Dakota State culture. And it did take Craig eight years. Nine. Nine at North Dakota State to win that first national championship. Not that Wyoming's going to go on and win a national championship, but they might win a Mountain West championship. Yeah. And it all, I mean, it all started back, obviously, in the offseason, but it really starts tonight at 5 o'clock. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious in Las Vegas at Mountain West Media Days, and I might have brought this up last week, but he just – we're sitting there, you know, that's one of my favorite times of the year because nobody's pissed yet. <laughs> nobody's, nobody knows yet. You're Everybody, in Vegas. Everybody's still excited. You're in Vegas. You're actually sitting there one-on-one with Craig Bull at a table. Basically, it's, you know, a couple of reporters and Craig Bull. And he's like, you know, guys, I didn't win my first championship in Fargo until year nine. It's obviously year nine of Craig Bull's era here in Laramie. And I said, what are you trying to say? And he was like, nothing, nothing, just saying. 
(laughs) Maybe he knew something we didn't know, Jared. But, man, they're playing well. However, one bad thing to come out of that CSU game, ton of injuries. Uh, Cam Stone went down late in that one. Him and Torrey Horton obviously got tangled up on the sideline, and both of them stayed down right in front of Craig Bowl. And Craig actually told a funny story at the podium this week that he looked down and was staring right into the face of Torrey Horton, and they were just staring at each other. And Craig thought, man, you look familiar. He recruited Torrey Horton's brother to North Dakota State 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he remembered him from that. So, uh, yeah, Cam Stone was not feeling good. Did see a picture of him in a sling. Uh, Bird Nolly obviously left in the early in the fourth quarter. He never returned. Uh, he is planning to go in this one. Harrell also m- missed some time during this game. Gibbs went out. By the way, that, that drive where the Rams were at the eight-yard line, oh, by the way, Gibbs and Bert Nolly weren't in on those plays. And the Cowboys still made the stop in yeah. a crucial situation. Yep. Enter Cole DeMarzo. Enter Reed Sun. Enter, you know, actually, I don't even think Reed Sun played because I think they're going with Connor Shea because Reed Sun, speaking of next man up, had to step into the long snapper's role. Um, you can't wear the tape and all the fun stuff you wear as a linebacker if you're going to be snapping the football mm-hmm. in crucial situations. So Reed Sun has transitioned right back into that spot. So, uh, once again, another one of your perfect examples of that. Uh, Cole Goodbow, obviously still out. Keontae Glinton still out. Andrew Peasley leaves this game. Will Pellisier gets absolutely blasted near the goal line. Thankfully, in a way, I'm sorry, Will Pellisier. He's a really good dude. Love his family. I'm glad you got blasted on that because I had a perfect angle of that play. You don't get blasted. That ball's getting picked off. That guy was way more worried about ripping your head off than he was getting an interception. So that might be the maturation process <laughs> for CSU as well. I want to go back to the Peasley injury. So obviously he got hit down on the ground. Yep. Actually, he almost a fumble. They called him down. Ref threw a flag, by the way. The ref flew the, threw the flag, and how they did not see that he got jacked in the head, mm-hmm. that's when the initial injury happened. Yep. He took an elbow to the head. How they picked up that flag, I have no idea, because they talked about it for a long time. Yeah. And then then he gets hit again, and that's when he exits the game. But And Craig did say, you, I think you're the one that asked the question, did he get injured on the play with the almost fumbling? He goes, yes, and we're going to review the tape. Yeah. To me, that sounded like he was going to turn that tape into the Mountain West, saying, first of all, why wasn't there a penalty? Sure. Second of all, that – Dirty ass play. I thought we're protecting quarterbacks these days. And that that guy needs to be. They need to look at that play and see if he needs to be suspended. Right for making that play. Why wouldn't you at least have somebody look at that, especially when it comes to a quarterback and his nugget? They have the review the review guys up in the press box at every single game, and they're tied into the Mountain West Central Control deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just that was a dirty play. Yeah, the guy had no reason to even come close to diving on Peasley. He's been down for probably a full second. And I believe it's the same guy that uh, um, Henry Blackburn, I believe, was the same guy who did that, who was also the same guy, I believe, who lit up Will Pellisier and then stood over him flexing on him. (laughs) So, And I had a perfect view of the play that I believe sent Peasley out of the game for good, which those binoculars in the sky might have pointed out that – it wasn't going hot. Peasley on a on a quarterback sneak. I can't remember if it was a sneak or if it was an actual um, just scramble. But uh, he went head to head with a dude too, and we all of us in the press box even went, "Are you going to take a look at that?" I mean, it was definitely helmet to helmet. I don't know if it was malicious, but it was helmet to helmet. So I think that's what uh, what initially did it, and then here comes Jaden Clemens. So no idea if Andrew Peasley is going to play. 
you know, Jared, I know Peasley hasn't been great the last couple of weeks. You know, he threw an interception in this game before they pulled him. I believe Blackburn picked him off. Um, he hasn't been playing great, and I know it's all about what have you done for me lately. Jaden Clemens comes in and does a fine job, but you're starting Andrew Peasley in this game, right? If he has, if he's good to go. Oh, definitely. He's he's earned the number one spot. He has. The, They're not here without him. He has the confidence of the team, and obviously the team loves both of these guys. So they're going to play hard for whoever's out there, and and God forbid if there's a third guy that has to come out there, um, they're going to play hard for him too. So it is what it is. Uh, Peasley would be your starter if he's if he's able to go. Um, we don't know at this point. I guess we'll see uh, here in just a little bit when you get over to the stadium and see who's warming up. Yep. And uh, Coach Bull did say because they haven't talked about it all year. He's been really coy about who who's behind these guys. He did say Hank Gibbs is the number three. If we get to that point, um, hopefully for the Cowboys that doesn't happen. It probably wouldn't be going too hot if uh, Hank Gibbs enters this game. this point in the season, nobody's going to lose any red shirts or anything like that because yep. they're under the four-game uh, minimum that you can play and still keep your red, you know, your full eligibility for that year that you were classified at. Yep. So. We, we do have two minutes left here in this first segment, Jared. How big can that catch be for Alex Brown going forward? Huge. Uh, confidence booster saying, Hey, I can do this. I know I've been, yeah, I've been here four years and I've always known I can do this talking as Alex Brown, but he goes out and proves it in a crucial situation game on the line. And he, he bobbled it a little bit. It was, a little, <laughs> you know, if you look at it, it was like, catch it with your hands, not your, not your, uh, shoulder pads, but he grabbed it snagged it in and kept control of it. And most importantly, got his foot down Yeah, because that defender could have easily pushed him out of bounds and it's incomplete pass. No doubt. He got his foot down. And even when you look at the replay, the player does stand up and like, no way he caught, you know, he, he does the incomplete thing and like touchdown. Oh, he caught it. All right. Um, if I was a better producer, Jared, I would go back to the tape and find it, but I'm pretty sure we talked about this scenario about four weeks ago that if the Cowboys can run this table, Win three on the road, and I know it wasn't exactly Murderer's Row with New Mexico and Hawaii and Utah State and CSU, but that's three road wins in a row uh, that the Cowboys would have to get, not to mention a couple of bye weeks thrown in the mix, um, to get to this point. The only thing in that scenario we talked about that didn't play ball with us is Air Force taking care of Boise State and Colorado Springs like we had hoped for, but we had circled this date as being a potential huge matchup, and it absolutely is. Uh, We will talk more about Boise State on the other side of the break. Definitely, uh, you know, can't deny it. Wyoming has Colorado State's number. That's six out of seven years. And now this series, which seemed, (laughs) as a kid, it was borderline lopsided for a minute there. Uh, This is now down to single digits. 59, 50, and 5 all time. And the Cowboys have had the bronze boot 30 times compared to 25 for the Colorado State Rams. So have to feel pretty good about that. The Cowboys absolutely have filled their trophy case this year, no doubt about it. Uh, what did the Hunters say? Filling their tags. That's uh, <laughs> that's what uh, the Wyoming Cowboys have done this year. They now own Jim Bridger's rifle, the Paniolo trophy, and now that coveted bronze boot. So on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about this big matchup tonight between the Wyoming Cowboys and the Boise State Broncos. Who will sit atop the Mountain Division? Welcome 
Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue. Stop in or order online at dickies.com for your tailgating food today. Or stop by and see us, 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie. We are doing the show live here on a beautiful, sunny, humid day in Laramie. It's The palm trees are swaying. It's a beautiful afternoon. Shorts. <laughs> it's a beautiful afternoon for college football. If you're wearing shorts today, you better have some Vaseline on those legs. <laughs> Mad dog. <laughs> Chile. Uh, huge game tonight, folks. Don't need to tell you that, but you know, there's been some mistaking it on social media we've both seen, Jared. If the Cowboys win tonight, they're not going to win the Mountain Division. There's still one game left. If they do beat Boise State tonight, they will be atop the Mountain Division. They will have that tiebreaker. Boise State hosts Utah State next week. The Wyoming Cowboys, on the other hand, will have to head to Fresno State, who is leading the way on the western side of the bracket. And uh, if you think about it and you get down to it, if the Cowboys want to get to a Mountain West title game this year, they're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to win six straight, including beating Boise State, who's been a monster in this conference for since the minute they stepped in it. Then they got to go on the road and win against the Fresno State Bulldogs, who now have Jay Kaner. And then if they can pull that off, they should host the Mountain West title game on December 3rd inside, Mount, inside War Memorial Stadium. And Fresno State has already sold over 31,000 tickets for that game next Friday night. Have they really? And to send off the seniors and so forth, and it's it's a late start on a Friday night of Day Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving weekend. It's but they, yeah, I saw an announcement the other day, so it's probably over wow. thirty two or thirty three now. The Bulldogs are the hottest team in the Mountain West too. They've won five straight, I believe. They're at Nevada this week, so might as well make it six straight. <laughs> uh, Jay Kaner makes a huge difference on that team because Fresno State. Out of the gate, they were the favorites in this conference. They thought, you know, Jay Kaner is definitely going to be the offensive player of the year. Uh, we thought even early on they'd have a chance to go into USC and go in the Coliseum and, and give the Trojans all they could handle. That just didn't happen. Instead, our old friend Solomon Bird hurts Jay Kaner. He doesn't play for weeks. Fresno State goes in the toilet. They went up to Albertson Stadium earlier this year and lost 40-20 to to a Boise State team that really didn't have an identity yet. So um, Fresno State is back on the tracks, and they are humming along. Cowboys obviously don't need to worry about the Bulldogs yet, though. <laughs> they got a big one, big you know, one at hand. Boise State's run to where they're at today is it's a unique one. It is. Um, what happened this season where they fire their offense coordinator, uh, you know, the Hank Bachemeyer leaves the team, enters the transfer portal. They hire an offensive guru who is just a – I mean, what they call it. Consultant. Consultant on the team, who was a former head coach of theirs, Dirk Cutter, who went on to do, I wouldn't say great things. Did, Arizona State. Did some things at Arizona State. Yeah. Then he's been in the NFL for a long, long time as OC and so forth. And uh, as as Craig Bull says, I wish that guy would have stayed on the golf course. No doubt. No doubt. He has completely changed the identity of this team. Uh, when Dirk Cutter came in, they, you know, Andy Avalos, you got to give him a lot of credit, man. You know, Craig Bull mentioned it. When you, when you can a coordinator – during the season, it's usually like a, well, let's fold up shop. Hopefully next year is better. They're coming off a 2-2 two and two start, including getting absolutely housed by Dana Dimmel's UTEP Miners. Which was a head-scratcher. Yeah. Going down 27 there. 27-10. Just had zero offense whatsoever. And that, Boise State gave up, a, gave up a kick return for a punt, or a punt return yeah, for a touchdown. That's usually things what they, they do to yeah, other teams. Yeah, things they just don't do. Yeah, you give their head coach a lot of credit for – Doing what he did mid-season 
And he is one of the calmest. He is. Younger coaches I've ever seen on the sideline. It's like nothing rattles him. Yeah. And and you might some people might look at it, well, he's a cocky son of a gun, you know. Yeah. Or that's just but I think that's just his demeanor. And no he's doubt. Just, he's confident. I wouldn't know if he's cocky. He's confident. And he's just very, very calm at the same time. And it's it's actually kind of calming to for us to yeah. as fans just of college football to see a guy like that. No doubt. Yeah, he does not get worked up, that's for sure. And you know, maybe he had a right to get worked up. He's only fourteen and eight. To begin his two years at Boise State, and that is not a good record up there. You don't that's uh, hot seat material. That's hot seat, <laughs> and I would I wouldn't doubt if he was on the hot seat there after that loss at UTEP. Uh, that did not look like a Boise State team, and they got absolutely housed. And I don't know if he was told. I don't know if he had somebody in his ear. He fired Tim Plow immediately, and when Tim Plow left, Hank Bogmeyer left, and that's a quarterback who's been there for four years, who was a four-star guy out of Southern California. He played in the same district as Easton Gibbs growing up. Um, he was the star. Easton Gibbs talked about it, how you know he was overlooked the whole time he was in school. He played for a team that wore brown and gold, and they won one game a year when he got there, and then next thing you know, he led him to the playoffs. But they were that cute story. Hank Bachmeyer was the shining star. And, uh, you know, when I think of Hank Bachmeyer's time at Boise, did anybody take a beating like that dude did? This offensive line has only given up 13 sacks. But that's not because they're the unbelievable world beaters we think they are. That's because when Dirk Cutter came and Hank Bachmeyer showed himself the door, uh, he said, hey, Talon Green, Mr. Six foot six, 220-pound Vince Young prototype, come over here. We need to chat. You're our new starting quarterback. He doesn't get sacked. And listen to these numbers. 102 of 155. Wow. He's got to be one of the top guys in the country in completion percentage with that. Yeah, 68%, 66%. 1,300 yards, seven TDs. He has made a few mistakes with four interceptions. Uh, but that is – those are pro-type numbers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you look at it, big-time big college football numbers, not making a mistake. And, you know, they're running the ball pretty damn good as well. And that's what Boise does, the balance. Yeah. When they brought Taylor Green in, I watched that game against San Diego State. They got off to a rough start. He threw a pick. San Diego State had an early lead. Hey, for those of you following this conference, you know darn well what the Aztecs bring on defense. Uh, next thing you know, it was like they – it was almost Craig Bullish. They were like, hey, we're not throwing the ball anymore. It ain't working. I want to say he was 5 for 10 or something like that through the air against the Aztecs. Then he just took off and took off and took off. I was stunned to see when I was doing research this week, he only rushed the ball eight times in that game, but eclipsed 100 yards and scored a couple of touchdowns. He looked like Vince Young in the Rose Bowl, just blowing around the corner, no big deal. Everybody looked like they were in quicksand, and I'm like, I know San Diego State's offense sucks, but their defense does not suck ever. He made them look horrendous. Mm-hmm. He is just a really good ball player. And then I thought, okay, so that's Boise State's game plan. They're just going to run this cat and run him and run him, a la Sean Chambers in 2019. Uh, nope. Next thing you know, who do they play? Uh, Fresno State, I believe. They play Fresno State, and uh, he just pops off and has a 300-yard day, three touchdowns through the air, and you're just that's against Fresno State. And he has the calming demeanor of his head coach. Too. Yeah. He's just out there doing his job. Man, he's good. He, you know, I asked Craig Bull, what is the biggest difference since Dirk Cutter come in? Is it as cut and dry as Talon Green? And he said, absolutely. Craig Bull, I want to, 
in my in my heart, I want to hope that Craig Bowles just churching this kid up, hoping that they're reading the press clippings, hoping that you know he's setting this guy up. He he compared him to Josh Allen. He compared him to a young Josh Allen, and Taylor Green is every bit of six six. He runs to his right, throws across his body, like you said, may, makes some stupid mistakes, but more times than not, you live with those because of the amazing things he can pull off. Um, but you know that's heady stuff when you're comparing somebody to Josh Allen. Yeah, and he's saying he's flicking the ball sixty-eight yards down the field. I, I I hope in my heart, Jared, that he's saying that there's some gamesmanship. Yeah, in there. that there's a plan there, not just you know saying holy cow, <laughs> this guy's gonna kill us. And you look at I'd mentioned the balance attack earlier. I mean, they're 192 yards through the air and 181 on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's a dang near as balanced as you can get. Yeah, and the pokes aren't far behind that in balance, but. Uh, they obviously, the Broncos, that is, they throw the ball with more efficiency than the Cowboys do. Well, and I think the big difference I'm seeing in looking up Boise State this week, Jared, is the one thing they're missing is a is a Shakur-type wide receiver. Now they've got a host of dudes who are making plays. They're not, they're not like him. They're not like Khalil Shakur, who's now catching balls from Josh Allen in Buffalo. Um, but they just... They get it done. Riley Smith has always been a pain in the neck for the Cowboys. They're a big tight end. Um, you know, they got those little speedy dudes on the outside. They're making plays. But another guy who just will not – will this guy graduate already? And that's George Halani. <laughs> he's in his fourth year. He's only a junior. Uh, he's rushed for 845 yards and 10 touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he's caught 144 yards where the ball's out of the backfield and added three more touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he's returning punts. This kid is better than ever. Talked to Jay Savell at length about this kid. He said, obviously, he's healthy. Obviously, he's seeing the holes. Obviously, he's breaking tackles. It's not good to see. Yeah, the Cowboy defense definitely has their work cut out for them this evening. And, um, you know, not only just keeping green in the pocket, as Easton Gibbs said, that's yeah. how you contain this guy. You have to keep him within the pocket. And if they're going to do any draws, you know, Easton Gibbs himself is the guy that's there to plug it up, hopefully. But they have to keep him within that pocket. And because if he goes out and scrambles, like you said, he's got that Josh Allen crossbody throwing motion and can hit guys on the run type of a deal. And that's and that's another thing that the Cowboys defense, that those guys in the secondary, those five guys back there, have got to stay on their guys. Wyoming is 1-15 all-time against the Broncos. I know that might make you cringe a little, um, but Wyoming is not alone in that regard. Colorado State has never even beaten Boise State. Uh, so they have owned this conference for a long, long time. But, you know, we all can't help it. I know it's... 15 to 1, but that one was pretty special, and that was what you're talking about. That game winning touchdown or the tying touchdown to Tanner Gentry was Josh Allen eluding traffic, running out of the pocket, directing traffic downfield, almost stepping out of bounds, firing an absolute strike across his body right to Tanner Gentry, who obviously had, uh, you know, super glue, gorilla glue <laughs> on his gloves. Um, you know, we think about a weakness on this Boise State team. Uh, it's got to be on defense, right? Uh, wrong. Uh, they are the number one defense in the Mountain West. They allow just six or 264 yards per game. They are second when it comes to scoring, allowing just 17.3 points per game. They're number one against the rush, allowing just 107 a game. They're number two against the pass, 
allowing just 156.9 per game. And for good measure, they're also number one on third down. They have allowed just 30.4% completion rate or, or conversion rate, 42 of 138. And I think it all starts with Mr. J.L. Skinner, their safety in the back, who's roaming the back. He's all over the place. He plays that kind of Ed Reed style of just he's the smartest guy on the field. He's the toughest guy. He's the fastest guy. He makes plays all over the joint. Yeah, the Pokes on offense this evening, they need to be very efficient on what they're doing. They can't get in those third and long situations. They can't go three and out time and time again. We, it's going to happen here and there, but you cannot continually – do that series after series. Stupid penalties of late, too. Exactly. And when you do go the three and out, three and out, even though your defense may make stops, they're still gaining yards on you, most likely because of the punting situation. Yeah. And so it, it field, field position is going to be a key in this game. Um, I see it as a, a drag-out fight this evening in this cold weather, raucous crowd, you know, the war. Um, I do I do see it as a as a one of those games where it's going to come down to the fourth quarter type of a deal. And it has of late. Yeah. A lot of those early losses in this series were by the blowout variety, as we know. But these last few, uh, Boise State's on a five-game winning streak, obviously. But aside from one 20-point win in there, this is a touchdown game. Overtime. It's been Overtime. there. Yeah. Uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, even the snow game in 2020, yep. thir- what, 13-9 or 16-9, whatever it was. Yep. Uh, so this is getting, you know, you like to say the Cowboys have closed the gap, and I think they have. I, I absolutely do. I, You know, Boise State coming into Laramie 10 years ago compared to Boise State coming into Laramie today, uh, it's a way different feel. I mean, I don't think I'm alone here. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, they were terrifying back in the day. And in the year that they beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, Wyoming's the only team that came close to even beating them uh, that year. Uh, but then it was blowout after blowout, and they were just some of the most energized crowds that, man, Boise State just came in and just killed the crowd immediately. And that just hasn't been the case of late. And those games have been – they were over in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. Yeah, and it hasn't been the case. Even last year, uh, you know – Craig Bull, we, I talked to him after the the game, of course, and you know we talked about the middle eight, and Craig just rolled his eyes, and he's not real worried about the middle eight, but I don't know why, because that's where Boise State made hay in this game. Uh, remember, you might remember uh, he tried blowing three timeouts in a row to ice their kicker, Dalmas. Dalmas ended up kicking the field goal and then mocking him on the way to the locker room, um, and Craig just said, well, it was just a field goal. Well, you guys might not. <laughs> you, I'm sure you remember this. Uh, a field goal for Wyoming's team last year was a huge win. <laughs> it was a huge win. You can't give up a field goal, especially on the road in Albertson Stadium. And honestly, if it wasn't for that huge touchdown catch by Isaiah Nair late in that game, I mean, it wasn't as. Cl- it, I think it was closer than it appeared. But there was times where you're like, "Wow, this is." Even though it's only a seven point game, it's an insurmountable. Uh, Azizi Hearn jumping offside on a on a field goal attempt that turns into a touchdown. That's yeah. that's CSU stuff. You can't you can't do that against this team, especially in that building. You just can't do it. And I think if there's any concern, you know, Wyoming's got a ton of injuries right now. Of course, we don't know who's going to play. But another concern, like I just brought up, is a lot of stupid penalties lately. A lot of pre-snap crap that is putting you behind the chains, especially on first down. I mean, what did they call uh, Tulafono twice, I think, in Fort Collins for a pre-snap, illegal snap stuff? I mean, you, you can't have that. And some of that might be, you know, the, the different cadence between a Peasley and a Clemens. Sure. It, that's, 
but they better have that worked out this week because you cannot afford to have those stupid penalties, especially at those just the worst times. Yeah. The timing of some of the penalties Wyoming's had against Boise State in this series has been just horrible. Mm. I, I, I remember, I think it was Logan Wilson's sophomore year, crowd going at it. Boise State's going to go three and out. Logan makes a heck of a play on a guy, stands up above him and looks down on him. They throw the flag for uh, uh, taunting, which it was questionable, but can't do that stuff. What's Boise State do? Take advantage of it, go and score a touchdown. Always, always. And and I remember last year, Levi Williams rolling out, and he's on the bootleg and just threw it right threw it right to a linebacker. Um, and, and Wyoming was down near the red zone. You just you can't make mistakes against this team, and they've shown that year after year after year. Um, Easton Gibbs, Shea Suinoa, Wyatt Eckler, Isaac White, they're going to be some busy, busy cats tonight. Uh, Jared, if the Wyoming Cowboys are to win this game, who has to be Wyoming's MVP? Titus Swan. My opinion, Wyoming has to buck the trend here of Boise State only allowing 100 yard, 170 yards on the ground. Wyoming's got to rush for at least 175 because that's also taking time off the clock, keeping that Bronco offense um, on the sideline. Uh, and go along with that, win the turnover battle. And it appears Taylor Green will hand you the ball here and there. Um, you know, and you got to like that the Cowboys are the number one team in the Mountain West at getting to the quarterback. Um, I know this isn't your average quarterback, and when you get to him, you got to drop him. And, and how many times have we seen that this year? You have to wrap up and drop him. And, you know, even, even if you don't get to him before he releases the ball, you have to punish him when he does release the ball within the guidelines of not getting flagged, of course. Sure. You got to make him hurt a little bit because this cold weather is going to make those hits hurt that much more. Yeah, and or make him do what Andrew Peasley's been doing all year, which you've praised, and and you're right to praise. Make him throw the ball away. Just do it. Um, I think I'm with you. Titus Wynn is going to have to be huge tonight. And I'll even go back, not just Titus Wynn. How about the group of running, running backs? backs yeah. Got to go for 175 tonight. But if one of them can get hot, keep that keep that particular player in the game and let him keep running the rock. I really, really like Dwayne McNeely's burst. We've talked about it all year, and it finally clicked at Hawaii. But, man, if that dude can find a crease. And you, you go back to last week against CSU, none of the running backs could ever get into a rhythm. Just the way that game played out, it was it, it was one of the weirdest offensive games I've really yeah. you look back at. they Nobody could – because when they got the ball, especially on the game-winning touchdown, it was short field. Yeah. And, you know, it just it was just weird. Well, and CSU did a pretty – Bang up job too last week. They did. Uh, I must say, um, you know, Titus Wynn finished the night, sixteen carries, seventy three yards. Uh, Jaden Clemens, of course, added thirty two on the ground and a touchdown. DQ James never really got going. Six rushes, twenty four yards. Uh, Dewine McNeely only six rushes for twenty one yards. So would like to, you know, they're going to run the ball way more than they did. What thirty seven times for one hundred and forty two yards last week? CSU did a great job. 3.8 yards per carry. You don't see that out of this team very often. Uh, did a really good job at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they're linebackers, man. Daquan Jackson, that dude can hit. And, you know, Boise State's loaded with linebackers, and they're really good up front. They're they're really good everywhere. Uh, they're just – it's hard to find a weakness here, Jared. It really is. And, and you can say that about Boise State almost every single year. I guess last year you would say their weakness is Hank Bachmeyer's not getting rid of the ball fast enough, and he's not fast enough to elude the rush. So if you can get past the offensive line – you're going to get in his kitchen. 
I'd like to go back and, well, not me personally do this, <laughs> but have somebody look at the tape, how many times he picked himself off the turf yeah. in pain. Says a lot, doesn't it? Oof. When you pick yourself up off the turf? Yeah. Says a lot. So you asked me how the Cowboys win this game tonight. What about you? Oh. I only thought about it to ask you, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to steal your answer, even though I know that's true. I mean, Titus Wynn has to be key tonight. I did like that um, Jaden Clemens went to the tight ends often last week. I mean, it wasn't they didn't make a ton of hay through the air, but uh, he did go to Parker Christensen four times, uh, went to Trayton Welch once. Um, you'd like to think that those are high-percentage throws, that that can really help you out. That could be the quarterback's best friend, you would think. Plus... We're not seeing it often enough. I think the last successful one, maybe the last one we saw, period, throw out of the backfield was a beauty in Albuquerque that caught a it caught a blitz coming, hit a wheel route. Titus Swins going down the sideline. That's some stuff you're going to have to do in this one. And I'm not saying you're going to have to, by the way, look for Boise State trickeration because it always happens. Uh, I'm not saying Wyoming needs to do that, but catch them in a blitz here and there. You know, Try some some screens. Try some wheel routes. Try some things like that because you like Titus Swin against a linebacker, don't you? Nine out of ten times I do. <laughs> I do a lot. And I like Trayton Welch against – I like Parker Christensen too. I mm. like those guys. You know what I like more is DQ James against a linebacker with uh, that speed. And you know what? I don't think we saw that in Fort Collins much. Two of those dudes in the backfield at the same time. One time three of them were back there, and it was the quarterback that yeah. took the ball. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like that stuff. I, I think that, uh, you know, it keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. And you get your eyes moving, so who knows? I don't know. I think if we're going to have a defensive MVP tonight, I'm going to give it to a guy who, it's not a shocker. I think Easton Gibbs is going to have a huge game. Um, he's talked so much, same with Chad Muma, same with Logan Wilson, even though it happened for Logan more than any of these guys. He needs to start creating more turnovers, and that's something that Chad Muma got better at last year. That's something I think Easton Gibbs is about to turn the corner in because when you're racking up double-digit tackles a game like he is, which he has eight of them now, three of them this year, you're bound to rip that ball out at some point. And uh, I think Easton Gibbs is going to get one tonight. A lot of his family went to Boise State. His mom went to Boise State. He grew up a Boise State fan. He got his first ever start against Boise State in the snow in 2020, racked up double-digit tackles that night and was arguably the best player on the field. I think Easton Gibbs is going to have a huge game tonight. I think he's going to finish with at least 15 tackles, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to force a fumble, maybe a huge key one, maybe step in front of a Taylor Green throw. Jared, I got the Cowboys finding a way. They've proved us wrong all year long. We have 45 seconds left. Give me the Cowboys tonight in a close one. Who you how, how close? Close. <laughs> maybe Hoyland close. Yeah, I, I too, have the Cowboys in a close one tonight. Definitely, if you're a betting man, go on the under. Yeah. Of course, it's going to go over now. But 44 points on the under, and Boise State's favored by 14 points. That is a lot of points in a game like this. I know Wyoming, we don't, a lot of question marks on players playing. But take the pokes, take the under. Broncos Cowboys winner of this one takes over sole possession of first place in the Mountain Division. This has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie and Cheyenne. This show is also sponsored by Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, and Warren's Repair and Towing. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next right here on KOWB.